This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. My name is Marty Wolf, and with me as co-host of the PSA Podcast is Michael McHale. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Hey, Marty. How you doing today? We're doing great. Michael McHale is the CEO of PSA Systems, which stands for Production Systems Automation. So, Mike, we have not been together for a while, uh, this COVID-19 and and very busy, very busy business schedules has kind of kept us away. But today we have uh, an interesting topic and I know we have an interesting guest. So why don't you tell us the topic of today's show or the topics and uh, who we have as a guest? Yeah, today, Marty, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship, university learning, and drones all wrapped up into one guest. And I'd like to introduce uh, Chris Spiker. Chris is the Director of Entrepreneurship at Marywood University, and he's also the co-founder of Dart Drones Flight School. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing very good. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well. So uh, I'll give you a little background on Chris. Uh, Chris is an Executive Director of the School of Business and Global Innovation at Marywood University in Scranton, Pennsylvania. In addition, he directs their entrepreneurship program and is actively engaged in the university's efforts to recruit students internationally. A three-time graduate at Temple University, Chris is a continuous learner and recently attended the MIT Design Thinking Program. He was he has lectured all over the world, most recently in India and Bangladesh. Outside the classroom, Chris is involved with over 30 startups, ranging from healthcare to real estate. And his most famous startup is Dart Drones, the nation's largest drone education company, which he started with his daughter and CEO, Abby. In addition, his family operates a 5,000 bush blueberry farm in Wayne County. Chris, welcome. And uh, Thank it's you. quite a resume. Well, it keeps me busy. It keeps me I'm off sure the streets. It sure it does. So, Chris, I, I kind of want to start with uh, understanding what's going on in the educational space. You know, you're 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 the head of the entrepreneurship program at Marywood. How how are students learning? Are they getting the same education? Are they falling behind? What's happening? Well, the reality is, as we end this first semester, uh, we ended last Friday, and uh, it, it's it was a very, very challenging semester for everyone, um, maybe even more so than the spring. At least in the spring, we had the first half of the semester where we were on campus, and uh, this year we were entirely, um, we did a hybrid system, and what the hybrid was was a, uh, a system whereby uh, classes would be held online, and then um, uh, we would do uh, enhancements, in-person enhancements if the students elected to, to do those enhancements. Um, it was totally voluntary whether they wanted to come to campus or not, and it depended on a lot of factors related to COVID and what was going on in their lives and who they were exposed to. Uh, but it's been a very, very challenging semester, and I can only sum it up by saying everyone is Zoomed out. Uh, it's just uh, an overuse of Zoom. Um, and, and uh, uh, just very, very difficult. The student, the students were feeling it by the end of the semester. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way, Chris. I mean, we, we've been, you know, PSA has been operating remotely uh, in a lot of aspects since uh, the middle of March, and uh, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm zoomed out. I mean, so, so do you think um, the education is the same? Or are we missing just the personal relationships? What, what are we missing in the 
educational slash the social part of, of this? Uh, so um, from the education side, you know, particularly with freshmen and young people in classroom, um, I teach a, a, a course every year. It's one of my favorite classes. It's called University 100, which is kind of the college introduction uh, to students. And, and that's where uh, me and also all the other faculty really get to know the new incoming freshmen, determine what kind of uh, you know, interests they have and start to try to map out a plan for them for the next four years. And that was very, very difficult to do. Uh, we were doing it on Zoom. We were doing it in, in groups of 10 or less uh, on campus. Um, but I, I have to say the students, they were, um, they, they were very, very helpful in this process and they attended everything that they could attend on campus. Um, but it's still not the same, getting to know them on a, a personal you know, they know my name, I know their name basis uh, was, was very, very difficult. And uh, um, uh, I'm just looking forward to it all being done. And hopefully sometime mid-semester, this semester, we're going to start seeing, you know, vaccines come to campuses and uh, hopefully we can get these kids vaccinated and get everybody out there and get things back to normal. So do you think, is this affecting the graduating class? on the skills that they're actually, that they're going to take into the, into the workforce. And, and the question I kind of asked there is, you know, the, the student group working, team working, learning those skills in college, do you think that that's going to have a lasting, a, a short-term effect? Oh, no, I, I think the way business, yeah, I think the way business has been, has been done for the last seven months and the way it's going to be done in the future. If you look at uh, a lot of the interviews that are going on with CEOs around the country, uh, I mean, they, uh, this work at home, uh, work from where you're at, uh, I think is going to become a commonplace in the workplace and, and the students have been preparing for this, uh, as much as they, they don't like it and they don't, they don't realize what they've been doing. They're going to be fully prepared to work in, you know, the, the, uh, post COVID world, because I think that world is going to be primarily working, uh, remotely and, uh, so they're, they're, they're going to be prepared. They're going to know what they have to do. They understand the technologies, you know, the various platforms out there that are being used. Uh, and I, th I think it will be very effective for them in the future. In terms of, um, you know, internships and things like that, I have to say probably 75% of our internships were canceled uh, this year, which is unfortunate because getting our students out into the workplace and getting hands-on experience is probably one of the most valuable things we do in their four years at Marywood. And uh, we were unable to do that this semester because uh, employers, you know, either their places of employment were closed or uh, they just didn't want uh, new people in their offices, uh, you know, re reducing the number of people that they were exposed to. So th that was a, a, a big challenge. But um, in terms of recruitment, we're still seeing a lot of recruitment. We're still seeing uh, a, a lot of employers come to campus uh, and, and do remote uh, interviewing, um, and, and that has still been pretty strong. Now, they're, they're planning on not hiring them until the spring, um, but uh, there still is pretty active interest uh, from uh, companies still recruiting. And that's kind of, that's kind of a shame because I know internships and co-ops are so important for college students. To get that experience um, Absolutely. when they do interview, even the interviewing process for for internships is important. So, so do you think the school or schools are going to change in the future, like companies and CEOs are talking about trying to do more remote learning 
less hard office space. Do you think that's going to happen in your I, world? To be honest with you, if it was a, if it was at the beginning of the pandemic, I would have said that we were, you know, taking the next ten years and crunching it down into one year where it's going to redefine education. I, I really do think that students want to be on campus. They want that in-person experience. And, uh, uh, but I don't think employers are going to change. I think employers have realized that they can do the same amount of work, if not more, uh, uh, by not having their employees in their workplace. I mean, I, I just saw an interview uh, for a, a, a large financial firm in New York City uh, that was eliminating about 60% of their office space that they had both in Newark and Jersey City, uh, and they're they're basically just not going to renew those those leases, and everybody's going to work uh, from home, um, and on a rotating basis that they will go in say once a month for a week or something along that line. Um, so I think education is going to redefine itself. There's going to be more available online, and I think the students are going to you know recognize that they could take online programs and make them effective if they if they really want to. Um, but um, in terms of employers, I think employers, it's totally changed that they uh, 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 they're, they're going to they're going to be keeping people remote for as long as they possibly can. Gotcha. So it's um, that's interesting. You know, I'm glad we're not in the uh, in, in the in the leasing office building space because uh, that doesn't sound like a good place to be in oh, the next tough, tough five, sector, five to commercial years. Real yeah, you know, even re retail and commercial, I think uh, those are two areas that are going to get just, you know, walloped in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, a, a, most people realize they can get everything they need by staying at home. What what percentage of those people are going to go back to, uh, uh, you know, doing regular shopping, in-person shopping uh, post-COVID is a, a really good guess. But I mean, at this point, they all realize that they can just do it from the, from the house in their jammies. Gotcha. So before we jump into drones, uh, Marty, you have any uh, any questions for Chris? No, other, I'm, well, I don't know if it's a question, just a comment. Uh, yeah, the uh, the office space space is uh, already being uh, tremendously affected, and the work from home um, is definitely here to stay to a point. Although, Chris, I'm I'm a believer that uh, at some point vaccines and we uh, whatever, however we get over this in time, I, I think even those folks will end up going back to work in some kind of office space in time. I think it's just, a lot, you know, there's a loss of productivity there that right now um, you're kind of forced to do what they're doing, but it's going to be interesting to see. So, you know, it's, it's uh, stay tuned as they say, you know? Yeah. It's going to be very, very interesting. A, br a brave new world out there in every sector. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to use the, uh, the the 2020 word of the year, which is pivot, and we're going to pivot into dart drones. And I'll give you everybody a little background on dart drones, and then we'll start talking about the, the drone industry. So dart drones is the leading nationwide drone training company offering courses in over 40 cities across the U.S. We offer basic flight training classes, Part 107 airman knowledge, test prep courses, advanced industry-specific training, and UAS program implementation consulting services. From online training to open enrollment courses and custom organizational training, Dart Drones has trained over 6,400 new UAS pilots in almost every industry. And for anybody listening to the podcast, Dart Drones was uh, was featured on Shark Tank uh, some, some years ago. 
And uh, so, Chris, why don't you give us a little background? How how did Dark Thrones get started, and who who was the driver of getting it off the ground? Oh, uh, that that question is really easy. It's my daughter Abby was the was the driver of getting it off the ground. Uh, the, the, how it got started was pretty funny. My daughter uh, attended Babson's uh, MBA program uh, in entrepreneurship. And when she started her freshman, well, her first year, I should say, um, uh, of her graduate program, she had to come up with an idea because she she selected the entrepreneurship track, which was she had to develop her idea over a two year period of time. And uh, so we started talking about ideas probably in her senior year, just after she got accepted. And uh, one of the ideas that we kept coming back to was was drones. I mean, we had explored a lot of other ideas. um, you know, making mead from honey. You know, we, we produce a lot of honey on our farm, but not nearly enough to be a commercial operation. But we were talking about making mead and how that industry was going to take take off. Uh, the wine industry, uh, particularly in the state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, was about to take off. We explored a lot of that. We explored a lot of other technologies that are out there, but it kept coming back to uh, the idea of drones and. Once we started getting into real research on the field um, and where it was headed, I mean, it was clear that drones were going to be a game changer. Um, at Marywood, we have an aviation program, and uh, I was always, I've always been looking to how we expand our enrollment and how we increase the number of students that we have in the program. And you know, so I was exploring everything related to aviation, and I came across drones. And uh, I said, Ab, you know, take a look at this. This is something that's going to be out there. This is in 2013. And she started exploring it in 2014 and, and uh, really getting into it then. And, um, you know, it's, it's, she developed a passion for it, and, uh, which is really unusual because she's one of the few women that have, an, that have a real interest in, in uh, the drone sector. Um, but, yeah, so she's been the driving force behind it uh, completely. Um, and, uh, I, I would not have been able to get it to where it is, uh, on my own without her. She is, she is, uh, an extraordinarily hard worker and has a lot of vision and, um, you know, she's, she's the day-to-day, uh, person that does all the details of that company. Gotcha. So, you know, PSA is in the drone space on the department of defense side. And, uh, that's why, you know, this topic is, uh, is relevant. Um, for us and our employees and, and also our listeners. So, so Chris, we've often talked about what's next. What's next in the drone industry? Is it delivery drones? Is it firefighting drones? How do we get there? Who governs it? I mean, where, where do we start this conversation, do you think? You know, it's really funny. Uh, so my, my job is, to, is, quote, unquote, the chief visionary officer which is to try to look into the future and see the what's next, and uh, which is what I really kind of enjoy uh, doing. And what happened in the industry is when it first came out, it was really the, uh, you know, the, the independent drone entrepreneur who was, you know, the wedding photographer, the, uh, the, home, the home inspection uh, person, uh, you know, somebody that was doing, you know, sporting events or just filming people's properties, real estate related. Um, and then it started to switch and it started to go towards, you know, business. And I say that that switch is just about complete right now, that the if you look at the number of people that are taking our, our drone related classes and they're becoming 107 certified uh, with the FAA, 
uh, it's more people on the enterprise side. So our clients went from individuals like, uh, uh, you know, again, independent contractor type people to large uh, utilities across the country, the you know different states around the country that uh, are setting up drone programs because they're finally realizing the economic value in, in using a drone um, you know, you know, in, in place of a fixed wing, uh, either helicopter or plane uh, at a substantial uh, reduction in cost and in a substantial increase in safety. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. We're working with a, a, a large uh, uh, utility company out, out in Western United States, uh, surveying their properties. Uh, and uh, they've saved um, for the first, since we've started with them over $280,000 uh, in fees that they used for helicopters and planes. Uh, ju just at a short period of time. And this literally, we did not start it until about May of this year. So really the first or the second half of the year, uh, they've had a $280,000 savings. Well, and plus, things plus, plus the safety. Yeah, the, sa the safety, well. I got to be honest well. with you, that's that's how this originally uh, got started was a safety issue. Uh, they did have a plane that went down and uh, uh, regretfully, they had uh, two people that were killed. And, and they looked for alternatives, and this was the alternative. So, um, so from a safety standpoint, clearly it's it's dramatically different. And for, from a uh, 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 you know an economics standpoint, uh, uh, it's it's uh, a substantial saving. So, from bo both sides, it's out there. But I think I think enterprise in general is seeing that there's a, just an enormous savings that could be had uh, if they employ drones in the proper way, and they they. Uh, uh, they implement it throughout their their system quickly. Um, you know, there there's a big savings and a reduction in the number of people that they have to have working physically boots on the ground that are out there walking around or climbing towers or uh, you know kicking in doors. You know, things like that. So, um, but our our area of expertise has expanded dramatically from from uh, you know I think we cover eight different vertical sectors now. You know, ranging from public safety to uh, tower inspection, uh, you know, pipeline uh, inspections, uh, construction, architecture, everything. Gotcha. So I, th I think that's a good that's a good overview for our listeners. Um, yeah. So let's talk about governance. Obviously, this this is going to be a uh, an industry that grows over time. Um, I'm assuming the FAA will end up taking governance of drone flight, whether it's, you know, we, we've talked about the delivery drones or if, is it a medical, a medical drone, you know, dropping off, you know, vaccines or, or other things. How, how is, when does that, when does that take place? When does the FAA get involved and when does it, when do we start to have that? that well, they've given uh, some limited approvals now to, um, uh, companies like Amazon and UPS for uh, deliveries in certain areas, but that is about to take off. That is going to be the next big, big, big thing. Uh, I, I, you know, we keep pushing this date back. I, I thought that if by 2022, it would be completely implemented across uh, all sectors of the economy. But the reality is, is that it's going to probably be 2025, 2026 uh, before we actually see the complete implementation of drones, particularly in the delivery sphere. Um, so if the big people are going to get into it first, the big, big companies like Amazon and UPS and, uh, you know, even the United States Postal Service uh, are going to get into it. But then 
everybody else is going to want to get in. And those everybody else's are going to include places like, you know, Domino's Pizza and Dunkin' Donuts and, uh, you know, little companies like uh, that, that do deliveries to far out locations. Like I give you the perfect example. There's a local supplier here uh, that, that uh, makes very, very small pieces of equipment that are delivered to well sites uh, for the, uh, the natural gas extraction industry up in Susquehanna County. And uh, they have a, uh, a service truck that, has, that goes out and delivers. But when they go up to Susquehanna County, it's a one hour trip out, one hour trip back. And it might be for a you know, $10 delivery. It could be for a $10,000 delivery, but lots of times it's for a $10 delivery of a part that they just couldn't live without. So this is something that we've been, you know, going through with this particular company on how they can implement drones into their system and dramatically cut down the amount of time uh, that it's going to take to get the product to there, but also cut down on those man hours of having somebody drive out and drive back a two hour drive for a $10 delivery. Um, it's it's a substantial savings. So you're saying in five years, a Domino's pizza is going to be delivered to Marty's front porch. Yes, I, I think that uh, five years might be a little bit, a, a little bit, uh, I might be a little generous on the long side there, that it could actually be quicker than that. Um, I mean, that the, 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 the highway in the sky is established, the, you know, the uh, NASA work, working with uh, the FAA through this new uh, GPS system basically has the highway in the sky that's set up, uh, it's ready to operate. Um, you know, the, you know, getting the rule ready and getting everything ready to rock and roll with uh, these individual companies. But the big challenge is going to be, you know, you know, think about this. You, you go to, you know, you, you call Burger King and, and you're, you send them a text telling you that you want a burger delivered to your house. Who's going to send that burger to your house? Who, who's going to be responsible to make sure that that aircraft, you know, takes off, knows where it's going, uh, makes the delivery? And returns back to Burger King. Um, you know that there's an enormous responsibility. You know, in between uh, the the time that you place your order, you get your order, and when that particular aircraft gets back to uh, its physical location. So, implementing that is going to be the challenge. Making sure this is where I believe there's an enormous, enormous uh, amount of uh, potential job creation in the future. Mm-hmm. is, um, you know, having kids that are trained that are going to be able to operate these facilities for everyone. I mean, you think of all the places that are going to actually be doing delivery, whether those places be the Burger Kings of the world or, or uh, you know, a Fastenal that's delivering pieces of equipment around or, uh, you know, Domino's Pizza. Um, those All those students, all those kids are going to have to be trained and they're going to have to be certified and they're going to have to have the ability to operate these pieces of equipment in a, a safe manner. Yes, they're going to be greatly autonomous, meaning that you're going to program in your delivery site at your particular home or, or where you're located. But there's going to have to be lots of coordination that takes place uh, in between those two things happening. Well, so so in reality, so so you're actually thinking that each location would have a transportation manager, call it. That would yeah. manage the drones in, drones out, uh, at say every McDonald's or every you know Burger King. Yeah, is that yeah? Is that kind I of think, the vision that, that I, you think? 
I do, or, or it could be these ghost kitchens, if you're familiar with the whole ghost kitchen idea, which is uh, one of the ideas that's been taken over a lot of these commercial spaces where, uh, you know, the, uh, a, a developer will go in and purchase a, or, or lease out a large space from a mall developer, uh, a mall operator, and basically set up lots of kitchens in there. What One kitchen yeah. will, there's really no place for people to go in and get served. Yeah. There's really no, no, no physical uh, you know, a- address for it, but it's places that are going to be doing, uh, you know, Uber Eats is going to be, uh, you know, doing Grubhub and it's going to be doing the delivery of, uh, of these types of things. So it might not be the Burger King that's down the street from you where you're actually getting your burger from, but you're going to be getting your burger from a, a ghost kitchen that's operating somewhere else that uh, it, it's ho- yeah. hopefully lots of students will have, uh, uh, you know, opportunities for those jobs in the future. Yeah. Uh, that makes Just- sense to me. Just, distribution and logistics is taking on a whole new yes, it is. Uh, viewpoint and a whole new thing. Chris, if you're okay, I'd, I'd like to back up a little bit um, and and ask you, so you do the training. Um, mm-hmm. The people you're doing the training for, um, I guess, are buying the drones someplace, however they're getting the drones. Um, is the COVID and the supply chain challenges that we have now is that affecting people's ability to get drones that they they want to use in uh, in defense or agriculture or whatever what's happening there do you have any information there um you know the u.s has over the last few years because of some of the stuff that's happened uh with the dominant player in the uh in the field uh, uh dji mm-hmm. uh where a lot of the transmit they a lot of the data that they drones were collecting was being transmitted back to uh, uh, to China, potentially. Yeah. Um, that there's been a, a kind of a, a mini explosion of, of uh, new companies on the U.S. side mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be completely U.S. based and uh, uh, all the uh, technology is going to be U.S. manufactured. Mm-hmm. So from that side, it's changed a little bit and it's caused somewhat, if, if for, for example, if you're a U.S. government entity agency, you cannot purchase DJI drones. So you have to t- purchase a domestic drone mm. or, and, and there's four or five drones from Europe that have been approved as well. So um, I, I have not heard of any supply chain issues related uh, to getting drones at this point, um, but uh, uh yeah, who knows, huh? yeah, it's an, an interesting, an interesting area. Yeah. It's more, I think the more so the supply issues are related to, uh, you know, whether or not it has technology that you can use if you're a U.S. Uh, operator. Yeah. One more question, Mike. It's okay. Yeah, um, I, yeah go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Marty. I, I'm fascinated uh, with the use of drones in agriculture and in farming. Uh, what are you seeing there? Are you uh, are you providing training for the, for that space in any way? You know, that's funny. That's one of the only areas that we have not. We, oh. we kind of intentionally have not got into the farming. I, I do follow it closely because, uh, you know, we own a farm and we're, we're sure. active in farming. Um, but it's something that Dark Drones hasn't um, got involved in. Um, it, it's, it, it's becoming much... Um, so there's two different areas. The one area is where they go up and do diagnostics of your farm and right. they could basically look down and look at hydrology, look at seed, look at crop right. rotation, uh, all those types of things uh, for bu- bug infestation. 
and the sophistication of the uh, technology that's on these drones can, can uh, detect all that. Mm-hmm. So that's the one piece. The other side of it is actually going out and flying these fields and fertilizing, uh, you know, fields or, uh, you know, doing pest control and crop control. Um, and that, that area, you need a, a pretty big drone um, and, uh, you know, to carry around, you know, yeah. very, very heavy components. Um, so uh, DJI has developed one of those and it's been pretty successful for smaller farms, but larger farm operations uh, it, it's, it's a challenge. Got it. Got it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for allowing me to ask the question back to you. Not, not a problem. So, you know, I think, uh, I think we should uh, wrap up here, Marty. You know, I think, uh, you know, to kind of summarize, Chris, it, it seems like, uh, drones are coming and we're going to see them flying around in yeah, a more commercial are. way very soon. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it's, uh, it's something I think it's just an enormous opportunity for lots of young people at this point uh, in the next you know, 10 to 15 years. Uh, they're going to be as common as they are in the Jetsons. And uh, wow. uh, we're going to see them everywhere. They're going to be delivering. And, you know, our, our expectations of getting stuff in 24 hours now from Amazon is going to be down to getting stuff in four hours from Amazon. And, uh, you know, our, our immediate need to uh, satisfy our desires is going to be there uh, and satisfied even quicker. Yeah. So one last thing. I'm sorry, Mike. Um, so there are people, there are a lot of industrial companies that listen to the PSA podcast. So there may be people who are interested in learning more, potentially um getting training, like even how to become uh, 107 certified, all those kinds of things. So the simple thing to do is just simply go to your website, Chris. Yeah. The best thing to do is go to dartdrones.com. Uh, and you can, you can give us a call and one of our, our people who are you know specifically trained, will make sure you get to the right uh, person that, that handles uh, your particular sector. Um, and, uh, you know, we could help you answer. But we, we spend most of our time consulting people on how to get into drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. and before, before we ever get to training people, we in uh, selecting the right piece of equipment, making sure that they're doing everything right and, and uh, uh, you know, effective in terms of they're not violating any of the rules of the FAA. So, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time with people on, on, the, uh, on the phone. Uh, you know, getting the preliminary questions answered and getting things uh, set up so they're doing everything properly. Perfect. Okay, Mike, how do you want to close, Mike? Uh, I think, uh, you know, Chris, I I really appreciate you being on the podcast and, you know, teaching our our listeners all about what's going to happen in drones. Great. And uh, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the PSA Podcast, which is a production of PSA Systems and Business Builders Media. Learn more at PSASystems.com and BusinessBuildersMedia.com. That's PSASystems.com and BusinessBuildersMedia.com.